March 17, 2007, it's the Watt from Pedro Show.
that was the drum thing by John Coltrane, starting off the show. And you just heard what? My Migu. And uh, this is not in Pedro. Even though it's the Watt from Pedro show, it's actually Watt from Austin show for today. Because uh, it's a South by Southwest thing, and I'm here to play with Stooges. But also, I have good fortune, my good friend Steve Shelley's here with me. And uh, because, uh, well, you came here to play too, right? Yep. I was uh, doing a couple shows with Thurston. What was it called? Um, what was it called? It was just called Thurston Moore. Um, we're a three-piece right now. Uh, he's working on a solo record, and um, Thurston's playing guitar and singing, and I'm drumming, and Samara, who's also here, is playing violin. Say hi, Samara. Hey. <laughs> okay. Uh, we're in a Sheraton in a, near the downtown on 11th Street, and uh, I'm going to play in a few hours. You played uh, twice today. Yeah. Right? Uh, and it was the... And uh, Thurston played acoustic guitar. He's playing acoustic. Right, right. Yeah. And you played it, and uh, first you played at a record store. We played at um, End, of, End of, an of an Year. And then we, <laughs> and then we played uh, sort of a courtyard over near Fifth uh, Street. Uh, um, I'm not sure, Cedar Street uh, something or other. I forget right. what it was. And then last night you played at this Mohawk a block and a half away. Yeah, just, just down the street from where we are now. And um, well, that was the first gig ever, right? Yeah, we, we rehearsed. Last week, Thurston had us come up to Northampton, and we we've worked on these songs for just a couple days, and then and then um, the cherry gig was last night. Yeah, and at, at at the last minute, he asked us if we would go to Austin, um, like on Tuesday or Wednesday. So we said yeah, and they uh, got us some plane tickets, and and so we did three gigs with Thurston just over the weekend. And actually, last night was a Static Peace night at Mohawk. Right, right, right. So he picked so, all the bands, him and Andrew, his yeah, partner. Yeah, they had, I don't know, 12 or twelve or 14 bands playing. Yeah, I saw them, yeah. a lot of them. Uh, I loved it. It was a good, yeah, yeah. good trip. It was, it was fun, and it was fun to be in one place and not worry about uh, what you were missing <laughs> or anything. I just stayed there and watched the Ecstatic Peace Night, and it was good. Now, you should tell people it's not like Sonic Youth, really. No, it's... I don't know how to how to explain that it's not like Sonic Youth, but it's um. Well, I mean, obviously, just the in- instrumentation with a with violin and acoustic guitar, it's a, a little bit different. Yeah. And I'm trying to um, to kind of weave my way in there of what what I'm supposed to do for these songs. So I'm I'm searching right now for exactly what it is I'm going to fulfill for Thurston on these tunes, and that that's been good. What, what about his direction? When you did the prax last week, he doesn't give a lot of direction. He he starts playing. Yeah, he's pretty open. I mean, he talks about it a little bit, and he'll give you the name and talk about the song, but but not too much. And I sort of have to quiz him sometimes if uh, do you, you want, want want more of this or more of that, and yeah. and he'll answer. You know, he's pretty good about it. But um, he gives a lot of freedom, which which is very cool, but also. It makes me wonder. You know, there's so many places that I can go, so it's sort of it makes me work to to find, you know, yeah. what's good for these tunes. Now, um, he did one before, maybe 10 years. Long time ago, yeah. Psychic Hearts. Psychic Hearts. And you were the drummer. Yeah, um, I played drums, and my, my friend from Midland, Michigan, played guitar, Tim Folion. Which you also got a band with. Yep, we have a band called uh, $2 Guitar. Didn't you just do some gigs? We just did a really, really fun uh, tour of um, Italy. And, um, no co- France too, because Tom did, Watson yeah, played bass. Yeah, yeah we did, and we did Paris uh, as well. But we did. Um, you would like this. We did um, twelve uh, 
Italian shows in 13 days. Yeah. Which I was very proud of. And, and you're not playing, and, you're paying. Exactly. And we had we had a great time, and um, we found this great booking agent in, um, in um, Napoli, and he, he booked us in the coolest venues. Like, um, we didn't play rock clubs every night. We played cafes. We played... Uh, Houses. We played community centers and all kinds of stuff, and we just we just had the best tour. We had a uh, Chris Brokaw on uh, guitar with us on this tour, so we had two guitars and drum set, and and Tim sings. Remember, we did some gigs before. What band did I have? That was two dollar guitar. We yeah, played but with what you. Was I was I Black Gang? It was with Tom. So it oh, was with Tom Watson. Yeah, so. the pair of pliers. Yeah, Vince Maroney on drums. Yeah, we played in uh, Rehoboth Beach in Delaware, and right. I've never been down there before. I gone to this gig to play with you so that was cool to, to see that part of the of the east coast and there was another band a rochester band i think uh, nod yep nod yeah they put out a couple cds on my label yeah and they're still yeah. going they, they don't do a lot but they still they still work though okay uh two dollar guitar new record there is a new record and it came out um the uh towards this, the end of last year and it's uh, mostly a so- solo uh, record. It's most- mostly Tim playing everything. He's got a few guests, but but there's no drums on it. Whoa! Uh, yeah, yeah. So he did a you lot didn't of it. Bring in it a- though. We don't have it here. I-, I don't have it, but I can send it you to gotta you. You got to send it. I'll uh, play yeah. it on a future. Show. Yeah. Um. But uh, he recorded most of it at home, and there's some electronic drums, but there's no acoustic drums, and and, and uh, but it's a good you record. Mean robot drum program. Yeah, there's some robots. Um. But um, I didn't play on it, but I put it out with him, and so we we released that. Uh, at did the you end do of last some year. of the tunes on the tour? We did a lot of the tunes, and we totally changed them, and it was okay. it was a lot of fun. Yeah, yeah. We, How we long did, have oh, you had the band? It's been a, I don't know. Um, ever since he moved to Hoboken, that's where I've lived for like for twenty two years now. I've lived in Hoboken, and um, Tim's lived there for maybe uh, ten or twelve years. So we've we've had a, it. It's been an off and on thing, but but we've been doing it for a while. Okay. He's got like uh, five or six rec- CDs that he's put out on my label. Yeah, yeah, I know, I know. I like him. Um, let's see. You bought, you did bring some music. I brought you some CDs, and I'm going to play a song. I brought now. you a, um, a Sonic Youth CD um, that we put out in December. It was sort of our um, our um, goodbye kiss to uh, Geffen. It's um, um, it's called The Destroyed Room, B-Sides and Rarities. And um, when we had re-signed with them a number of years ago, th- there was this uh, clause in the contract that when you're done, you'll put together some sort of compilation, you know, whether it's a greatest hits or a greatest misses, you know, whatever. But um, we sort of knew that, but we'd forgotten about it. And so at the end of last year, um, we, we hear, like, you guys are supposed to compile a record for Geffen. And we just put out Rather Ripped, you know, yep. like a few months before. And so we compiled this like really quickly and and put it together um, towards the end of the year. And Geffen like released it, you know, so quickly. Uh, you know, it came out by the you know early December. And I'm actually doing a double vinyl uh, edition of this through Goofin, which is a Sonic Youth label that we do a lot of our vinyl um, vinyl issues on. And um, but not SYR. That's different. <laughs> They're different labels. There's that's that. more for the instrumental trippy. That's just a, it's more like a series. Yeah. yeah. They they're mostly instrumental, but there is some vocal stuff on SYR. But um but it is yeah, mostly stuff that we recorded our at our home studio and that we don't think is appropriate for Geffen or, you know. 
So we'd put out a lot of stuff on SYR. And what tune is this? This what we're gonna play now is something uh, called Beautiful Plateau, and it's um, it's a demo I think that was made around the time of um, I think it's from Sonic Nurse time, and it actually didn't get um, put anywhere back then. So we it put it on this. Cut. It didn't make the cut, but it made it onto this. <laughs> and we're actually real happy with this, even though it is a B sides and rarities, and you yeah. think that's some leftover stuff. We were actually really happy with what we came up with. That yeah, because you can't sitting around. put everything on a record yeah. that you come up with. And this not one's, just because it's lame. There's just not enough room. Yeah, and sometimes they just don't fit, like yeah, right. sound wise or or mood wise or or you know. Um, anyways, we this is one's got a lot of instrumentals on it. There's only a couple vocals. Kim Kim sings a couple, and then there's a really long version of Diamond C at the end. Oh wow! Um, that's even longer than the one we put on Washing Machine. <laughs> this one was on the 12 inch. That was like the extended version. Oh, so some things did come out on other things. Yeah, some of these have been released, um, and a couple cuts from compilations that maybe you know not every fan has gone and bought. Uh, the Grand Royal compilation that um, you know at home with the Groove Box, so we put Campfire, you know, from yeah. that. Oh, I remember yeah. that. Yeah, that's a great tune. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow! So, what are the plans now that there's no more Gaffin? There's no plan. Yeah. Um, there might not be. <laughs> there's no Gaffin, but there might not be a record business by the time that's we finish right. recording our next record. So. So we're not worrying about it. Yeah, we're yeah. actually still working with Geffen Universal. We're putting out this Daydream Deluxe Edition. Um, hopefully by June we'll we'll have it together. We're finishing up the second disc sequence uh, as we speak. We've been we've been nailing that down, and and I'm really happy that we're we're finally uh, finishing this one. Because we're tour it, and we're gonna tour with this thing too. We're gonna play I don't know maybe ten shows this summer that will be uh, where we'll play Daydream Nation in its entirety. In sequence. In sequence. That wasn't my idea. That was Barry's, uh, one of the promoter's ideas. Barry Hogan. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I thought that we should just play it in a way that we would have done in 88, but um, he wanted us to do it in sequence. Okay. Uh, The 10 gigs, are they U.S. gigs? They're about half and half. There might be a little bit more than 10. The first one's going to be at Primavera Sound Festival in Barcelona, which is a, it'll be our third time going there. And we've had such a great time each time. The first time I went there, we played with television and saw a great set. And last time, we played with the Stooges and lots of other, uh, and Gang Gang of Four. Four, So that was a great night for us to to see the Stooges and and Gang of Four. And um, this time, we're going to go back and and, uh, Patty is playing. Patty Smith is playing. And um, we're going to play Daydream Nation. That'll be the first one. There'll be a couple in the States. They just announced one in L.A. Oh, where? Um, it's going to be at the Greek. Wow. We've never played there. It's an outdoor amphitheater. Yeah. yeah. We've, we've never been there, so it'll be a new experience for us. And there's going to be one at um, an old school theater in Berkeley. I forget the name of it, but um, uh, it's like the Berkeley Community Theater or something like that. Or it might be at the school. They have a yeah. Greek. It's not the Greek. Okay. It's not the Greek. It's an it's an old uh, old school theater. Okay. Um, it's where the Clash played, maybe in seventy eight or seventy nine. Um, but I the name escapes me right now. Seventy nine. They played. In, the first time they played L A. They played mm-hmm. the Santa Monica Civic. Uh, it was an intense gig. It was uh, like a pu- first time a punk gig was big. Yeah. Okay. You know, because it was all little the whiskey and this and mask, and here it's at the Santa Monica Civic. And I didn't even know there was that many punk rockers, you know? 
a lot of cats yeah. you didn't really see at the club. They were yeah. a new thing. And, in fact, the crowd, it must have been like 2,000, which was a lot. Yeah. It was so packed that I had to piss and couldn't make backs. So I pissed in the crowd, in, uh, you know, shoulders, shoulder, you know, up, so nobody could tell. I wasn't pissing on anyone. I was pissing on the deck. But, yeah. So um, here's a beautiful plateau, Sonic Youth.
don't you begin to tune me out again I've been out here for a while like a weather vane squeaking as I spin Broken trampoline A pitiable fool In a poison swimming pool On an early April day No one can play When they've been washed away Rusting in the yard Life can seem so hard Testing limits of my friends I don't mean to take for granted when As all I have They're so nice to pat my head Or try to make me laugh I'm such a spaz when I crash When my frozen ends Are out of oxygen I'll do what I can Myself back in to the ones that understand.
tierra Conozco este cielo Y aquí estaba solo Antes de conocerte Ahora he visto tu bandera Por las puertas de mármol De la gran ciudad Pero el amor no es una marcha triunfal, sin un frío y solitario.
Okay. I got to tell you, people. Actually, now it's March 19th. I've come back to Pedro from Texas, and I've discovered that the last, um, I don't know, 20 minutes of this first hour somehow got scissored. (laughs) Pilot error, probably, uh, you know, my fault. I did something screwed up. So, uh, of course, Steve Shelley went back to his pad in Hoboken. And, um, but I've got uh, the second hour full of his spiel um, talking about his uh, timeline with the Sonic Youth. And, uh, but what was really interesting was these uh, last four songs we just played. He had something to say about all of them. And, um, I'm a poor substitute, but I can tell you what they are. We started off with Beautiful Plateau by Sonic Youth uh, from their new Destroyed Room album. We had Going Down by Michael Powers. Now, Michael Powers is a blues singer and guitarist, and Steve Shelley was asked by a producer man of that record to come on in and do the session, which is pretty interesting because you might not think of Steve Shelley as a blues drummer, but look how great he played. I thought that was intense. Wonderful, Steve. Good job. And then uh, there was In My Hands by Tony Cher. That's a buddy of Steve Shelley's. I think I've played some of his stuff on my show before. Steve flowed me a CD. The guy's a bass player, but a guitarist, too. I think he plays guitar on this record. And um, Steve's a big fan. And uh, maybe a Brooklyn Cat. And has his own little studio and stuff. He plays with, um, what was the name of the band he's playing with now? Uh, Sex Mob. And then finally, there was Alleluia by Enrique Morente, a Spanish flamenco player. Alleluia, of course, the Leonard Cohen song. And what he had to tell me about Enrique was that, um, uh, yeah, they got to... Sonic Youth got to play with him. Even though he's a traditional flamenco guitarist, musician, he uh, is very interested in contemporary sounds and loves Sonic Youth. And in fact, he wants to to do a record with Steve uh, where they collaborate. And Steve asked me to do a tune. Uh, So Enrique, uh, Steve Shelley, myself, somehow we'll make a three-way, maybe other musicians too on that. Um, for um, I know it might be on his Smells Like Records label he's had it for like 15 years or something that's another part that got scissored I think was him talking about his record company <laughs> uh, yeah they put out like 50 titles and used to be more a little more intense he's kind of laying back now because it was taking up so much time it was hard to do music but he still loves his label and he uh, gets to put out music that he loves, uh, that he hears or himself does or, or is a part of. and has something to do with the SYR series that Sonic Youth does with the instrumentals, well, mostly instrumentals. And um, let's see something else, Goofin', which is some uh, outlet for uh, Sonic Youth stuff that was through Geffen, but is now um, vinyl. They want it in vinyl versions. And, um, yeah, so 
a lot of good stuff from um, Steve. <laughs> I can't exactly remember. But coming up in the second hour, I promise you, uh, you get to hear Steve Shelley talking for himself. And sorry for uh, this part bit that got scissored off, but uh, I'm still getting it together, uh, recording uh, and doing Watt from Pedro shows uh, on location away from my pad using the little, the little aluminum purse uh, power book. Uh, they use for uh, chimping my spiels in, but I can also do it to uh, facilitate my radio shows. So, anyway, here's some more music uh, from Pete Rocha.
doesn't make much sense to me. Everything is in the sense of love.
Now, I played some music there, you know, even though <laughs> starting in the second hour, uh, we'll go to Steve's spiel and stuff. So in a way, it's not so chronological, huh? But hey, it's a radio show. I had to go fill up the rest of this first hour, though, uh, what got scissored with spiel and then some music here. And then uh, we'll return to that St. Patrick's Day in Austin, Texas, where Steve Shelley was talking to me in real time. But uh, let me tell you what we just played. We started off with uh, Don't Decide from Now, and then Holy from Lofty. And then uh, We Hear with Our Hearts. Now, I think it's high as a kite. You know, at first I thought it was a Japanese word or something, you know, because it all the letters run together. I thought it was like a hiasakita or something. <laughs> but uh, H-I-A-S-A-K-I-T-E. So, you know, high as a kite maybe. Or maybe it is hiasakita. <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. I like the tune. And we uh, finished up that little block with the workhorse by the riot man. And, uh, well, they sound like they were from England. So those other two bands. Um, so, uh, you look, I got to tell you something funny. I got back to Pedro, and uh, somebody sent me a link to a newspaper story. I guess the Statesman or one of the, you know, whatever. Maybe it was a proper newspaper. I don't know, a rag. I think it was, you know, it was the Statesman. Doesn't sound like fanzine. Maybe it should be. But uh, the, the reviewer, you know, during the gig at Stubbs Saturday night, right as soon as I finished with Steve, had to go and play with the Stooges, or I got to play with him. And um, in Skull Ring, halfway through the set, uh, the amp conked out. Or maybe I had two amps, so the chance of them both going pretty bad. It was probably a cable or something. But anyway, I'm out of the race. Well, the man in the review says... Um, Oh, oh, the, by Watt uh, not playing and fooling with his amp, I could still hear bass. Uh, so that must mean the Stooges are using backup tape. They're playing to a backing tape or something. <laughs> and this isn't correct to do uh, primitive uh, garage rock and roll or whatever. And God, I wish I... Uh, would have printed it so I could read it to you directly, but it's hilarious because the Stooges do not use backing tapes, and there was no bass in the game while I was fooling with that. But uh, like Ig talking to me about after the gig about it, if any song where the bass could have conked out, he he said that was a good one because Ronnie plays a lot of rhythm guitar in it, and sure enough, he was playing rhythm guitar while Ig was singing and. So you got it wrong, Mr. Newspaper Writer Man. Um, I think his first name was Michael, even, if I recall. Or so. But uh, that, the Stooges, what you see on the stage playing, that's what you hear and coming out of the speakers. And, and there's nothing against any bands who use stuff like that, but the Stooges don't. Because the way he worded it, it was like he's making a dig at us or something, you know, or trying to get one at us. <laughs> like the Stooges don't have a history of dealing with that. Anyway, this is all for first hour. Hold tight for a second hour. Watt from Pedro Show. March 17th, 2007. It's the second hour of the Watt from Pedro Show. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, that was a um, three-part sectional love seat by Sonic Youth. Uh, tell us something about that song, Steve. That was um, that's from the the, the destroyed room, which uh, came out in December, and um, that was uh, from a session that we did at Kim and Thurston's house uh, up in Western Massachusetts, and we actually set up in uh, the living room and did some uh, demos. Uh, this was around the time Jim had just started playing with us, and so, it's uh, a f- so we're five piece, yeah. And uh, um, I think on this song, Jim is playing guitar, although I'm, I'm not positive um <laughs> where'd the title come from uh we were we were practicing in the living room and so uh all these uh demos got were were being named after pieces of furniture <laughs> <laughs> like there's one that was called the queen An- queen Anne chair and then there was the, yeah I know the three-part uh, <laughs> sectional love seat or whatever it is yeah so they were all, so all named after, deeper than that yeah people. yeah it was named after the furniture uh that we were we were surrounded while we were recording these demos. Now, you've been in the band 22 years. Yeah, I joined in um, 85. Uh, how'd that happen? <laughs> I, I don't know. Um, you don't know. Um, just lucky, I guess. Uh, you were in a band, The Crucifix. Yeah, I was in this band called The Crucifix. And in I was also in a band. Of Michigan. Yep. Right, people from Michigan show you their hand. Yeah, I, I'm from right there on the hand. Uh, you guys can't see, but I'm showing Mike uh, the middle of the mitten. Hence the name. Yes, Midland. I'm from there, and uh, this band, The Crucifix, was in uh, East Lansing, and um, I played with Which them. Is, uh, Michigan State. Yep, that's Our where teams. MSU is. Yep, uh, and we got U U of M at uh, at Ann Arbor, where the Stooges. Yeah. Are from. Yeah. And um, at the same time I was in this band, I was in another band with my old friend, Tim Folion, called Spastic Rhythm Tarts. And so I was in both of these bands, and um, and I guess the Crucifix kind of know the story. It was a little more aggro, and we were a little bit outside of, there was this hardcore scene, but we didn't really fit in there, and... Um, and uh, we were more inspired by, I always tell people that we were inspired by SST acts like the Minutemen and the Meat Puppets and 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 that type of music and, and not so much by um, by sort of the generic hardcore thing that was, that was happening at the time. Right. So, um, but at the same time, I was in this band called Spastic Rhythm Tarts that was very much influenced by post-punk music, a lot of it from, from England. Whether it was the pop group or the Slits or uh, Joy Division or um, um, Rip Rig and Panic and you know all uh, like things from Gang of Four, a lot of Gang of Four, Birthday Party it was more um, inspired by that kind of stuff, and that that music was a little bit closer to my heart, and um, and it was also maybe a little bit closer to where I wound up playing with Sonic Youth. Now they had had three drummers. Yep, before I joined, there was Richard Edson and um, Bob Bird and Jim Sklavunos. And right. I think many other drummers, too, that were maybe only there for one show or one practice. Or, really? Yeah, yeah. One practice? Yeah, yeah. But these are, the, yeah, this, these are the recorded <laughs> drummers, though. Or sometimes I think they gave up having auditions and they would just have drummers show up at the show. You know, okay, come to the gig, <laughs> we'll see if you, you got it, you know. But but um, I had met Thurston and Lee and... and uh, 
and eventually Kim and joined the band in, in spring of 85. Yeah, but how did it happen? <laughs> um, you went to their gigs when they rolled through Michigan? No, no. I ne- didn't tour the U.S. Yeah, yeah. I'd, ne- I'd never seen the band. I was a really big fan. Um, the Crucifix were going to have Lee record uh, an EP of ours. We were going to go to Wharton's studio, Wharton Tears' place, and record uh, an EP, like a six-song EP. We recorded there a few times. Yeah, Right? For um, Lucky, Lucky Sperms. Sperms, yeah, and also song with Lee, uh, Visions of Johanna. Yep, yep, with Robert Quine yeah. on guitar. Who was the organ player? I couldn't remember his name. I know it was someone that played with Glenn. It was one, uh, one of Glenn's uh, keyboard players. Yeah, Damn, yeah, the name escapes me too. Because <laughs> uh, I played that song on a show a while back. Yeah, it's really neat. Bob Quine really ripping the solos. Yeah. I haven't heard that in a while. I'd like to hear that. Um, I also played this trippy thing that. A Dylan song that Kim and Thurston did. Yeah, yeah, with Epic. Sitting on a bob wire fence. Yeah. Uh, Epic sound. Yeah, with our friend Epic drumming, yeah. Yeah. Um, that was at the, around the same time. So Lee a, was going to produce... He was going to produce a record by us, but the band didn't make it. We we imploded uh, before we ever got to New York to record this thing. And I had met um, I had met Thurston and Lee at a, at a Crucifix show at CBGB's, uh, maybe the year before. And um, I'd spoke to them a few times on the phone and... And uh, ironically, uh, I had talked to Thurston about, well, I'm going to leave Michigan and I'm either going to move to San Francisco or Austin, Texas. And um, and Thurston's like, ah, oh, you don't want to move there. You know, you should move to New York. They always need a drummer in New York. And <laughs> they didn't need it. He didn't need a drummer because oh, he had yeah. Bob Burt right oh, there. Okay. Yeah. So, um, but I, you know, I was from a small town. I was much more comfortable with uh, thinking about Austin, Texas, or San Francisco, where I'd met. Um, People like the Dicks and and yeah, uh, the Big Boys and yeah, and Big Boys here. Dicks and uh, we saw Tim uh, Kerr today. Yeah, yeah. Tim Kerr was at the at the record store today where Thurston played. But um, yeah, but you played too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I, I'm just I'm just a side mouse. Yeah, it's not, I don't know, side mouse. But um, <laughs> I'm trying to help help him get his okay. thing across. <laughs> I'm a collaborator. So you're torn between which town to move. Yeah, yeah. And Thurston's telling me to, to go to New York. And and uh, Sonic has a has a tour with uh, Nick Cave and the Bad Seeds coming up in England through Paul Smith. And um, they need someone to watch the dog. And so me and a buddy, uh, actually the bass player of the Crucifix, we were both fed up with, with Michigan and with this band. We, um, we drive to, to New York and we uh, house sit. And dog sit, and the the good thing for us is that we were having a great time being in New York and, and just you know checking it out every day, being being young guys and and never really having spent any time other than a day or two in New York, um, seeing all the music and yeah, doing yeah. everything that you can do there, and uh, the Sonic Youth tour kept on getting extended, and so our, our time there kept on getting extended. So we were having a great time, and. Um, I'd been going to a few auditions. I did bring a drum kit with me when I when I went to New York, and there wasn't anything that I was really that I felt anything towards. And it's funny because I was, you know, did you st- have the drums up and yeah, yeah, yeah. Pad? I had the drums in their little pad that you, you stayed that, at, yeah, yeah. Ridge. yeah. And um, you know, it's funny because <laughs> wind I, on each end. Bad, bad Moon had just come out, and oh. I was I was surrounded by sort of all the the gear that comes with a, a new release, you know, like the posters and everything. And just, I'm, I'm looking at these posters every day and like, well, I really w- would like to be in a band, you know, like, like the Sonic Youth band, but, you know, but, but something that's unique on its own. I, and I, I didn't know, 
where I was going to find that. And um, Kim and Thurston and, and Lee all came home from this tour, and Bob had left the band. And so, During the tour. or at the end of the tour, oh, I'm not, I'm, I'm not sure when. Yeah, I, I, I always try and tell this story, but Bob should tell that part of the yeah, story. Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know exactly when he left or, or what was up, but uh, Kim and Thurston came home, and I was sort of all packed. I had found a sublet in a, at another neighborhood. Oh, and, so you were going to stay in New York? Yeah, I decided I was going to stay for a while, and um, they asked me to to drum for the band then and there, and no audition and. Uh, no no anything i was i was in and and you know i don't know my luckiest luckiest day in my life What's i don't know the first know. song you played with them um i'm not sure what the first song i played but one of the first songs was we worked on expressway to your skull and green light so evil stuff yeah we were working on evil stuff and um and i'm sure they were teaching me the bad moon songs cuz that had just come out and my first tour with the band we we played songs that i you know, didn't help write at all. It was all catalog stuff, and so I played. I played Bob's music for about a year. You know, what was the first gig? First, well, there was still one New York gig. I went uh, to um, um, uh, the club in the East Village, uh, the real little pyramid. Oh yeah, I went yeah, to the yeah. Pyramid Club and I saw the band play with Bob and it was the only time I'd ever seen the band play I'd never seen them play my buddy had he, he'd seen them in, in Ann Arbor because he was a year or two older than me so they did get to Michigan once but I, I was too young to get to the gig and um, so I got to see them play and it was just fantastic it was just a wonderful wonderful set and just you know sitting in the front row just watching this thing and can't you know I couldn't believe that that I was going to be a part of this and I uh, went backstage in the basement of the pyramid. I met all these New Yorkers, and you know Lydia Lunch is down there, and and you know I meet Lydia for the first time, and it's it's just you know overwhelming, and you know it was a very very fortunate time that 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 it, you know it fell together this way. Yeah. Now, what yeah. was the first gig you played with? The first gig that I played was. Um, was I, I believe it was at the Peppermint Lounge. <laughs> I played there. Where I'd, I'd seen the Minutemen play <laughs> while Kim and Thurston were out of town. Oh, and wow. I, and I'd come and seen you guys. And um, funny thing that happened at the Peppermint Lounge at the Minutemen gig is um, I talked to uh, the singer of Rat at Rat R. I believe his name is Victor... Vic, well, anyways, Victor, I was talking to him and telling him, you know, I was a drummer, I was looking for, you know, looking for a group, and... And uh, after a while, he figured out that I was staying at Kim and Thurston's, and he kind of blew me off in a, in a good-natured way. But he was like, "Oh, if you know Kim and Thurston, you're you're going to be all right. You know, you don't." And so he, uh, you so, know, it's funny about that band. When I did the Bronca thing last year with the hundred, yeah, hundred guitars, only sixty-four guitars, okay. and twenty basses, and Virgil on drums, uh -huh. Moorhead, and the conductor was John Meyer. From Rat at Rat uh, R, I had played with them right twenty five years ago. You played with Rat at yeah, oh, Minutemen okay. played with them. Okay, and they minded me of Sonic Youth a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> and here, uh, yeah, and at first I didn't realize it, but man, is that weird? How all the time goes by. And yeah, he's a conductor. He got a PhD in music, and yeah. oh, he wasn't just a rock and roll conductor. He was a real conductor. Yeah, yeah. in yeah. fact, he was key, man, yeah. because that piece was tough. Symphony Number no. Thirteen. Uh. It was beautiful. Glenn wrote a great thing. Did you know that Glenn 
uh, Lee and Thurston had played with them. And yeah, I knew he of was it. Really instrumental. Yeah, of course, of course. I didn't know anything about it. Yeah, I, I had a theoretical girl single, but yeah. I never made the connection. Yeah. yeah, no, of course I I knew that, and especially when I joined the band, you know, heard Lee and Thurston talk about it a, a great deal. I think that's the first time they played together was with Glenn. Could be. Um, but, you know, the funny thing is I've never met Glenn in all my years in New York. And I've seen him play and I've seen him in art galleries and I've seen him on the street. But I've, I've never been introduced to him. Yeah, and, and, I, and I, Well, I, I'm sort of okay with it because yeah, okay. he's Glenn and he's doing his thing. And, you know, I'm, I mean, I'm, I've met Richard Edson, which was, which was a real pleasure. And, and, um, and I know Bob because we live in the same what town. What about Reg? You know Reg? Who's Reg? He, he does music and his wife and... Uh, Helps with the pieces. No, she's got her own bands. No, no, and she plays in New York City. No, no, I've I've seen him play with with her, but I, I have not okay. met. But but yeah. I met all I met all the other Sonic Youth. See, see all New Yorkers yeah. aren't as connected as people. No, think. no, no. <laughs> well, you're across the river in Hoboken anyway. Yeah, I'm, I'm sort of isolated <laughs> over there. <It's... laughs> it it did have its scene though. So okay, you do the. Uh, uh, Peppermint Lounge. Peppermint Lounge with them. What was that gig like for you? Well, that gig was fun. Um, I think um, as sort of a transitional phase, we had uh, Bob Burt join us for a song or two. So we had two drummers for a couple tunes, and that was fun. And, two trap sets? Yeah. Um, or maybe we just had some extra stuff to bang on. I, I, I don't think there were two trap sets. And um, I think maybe that day we'd also um, film some of that Death Valley 69 Oh, I video, and we had both drummers in the video. We had Bob in the front half uh, of the video, and then we had was Lydia uh, the, there because she yeah, shot Lydia's the song. In the, yes, Lydia's in the video. Richard Kern shot the oh, video. Yeah, the, the video's got uh, cruise missiles or something. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> and um, and her sprawling around, yeah. and we're kind of uh, acting like uh, Manson youth or something. <laughs> these Long <laughs> Island wrong. kids, yeah. These we're, we're we're supposed to be Long Island kids who are or into Satan <laughs> who thinks Satan's totally cool or something <laughs> so were you scared at that first gig no no no, no. Would have been I don't know I, I've always just wanted to do this so much I've yeah I've never had that much fear you know I had fear today and yesterday playing <laughs> you know all these new songs with Thurston but just because I want to do good you know for his tunes but um those were new for you then yeah, you wanted yeah. to do good yeah yeah well I don't know that I was I, I don't know I have confidence to a degree, but I always want to do better. I Where did you guys prac? I always wonder how New Yorkers prac. Man, we have... Oh, I've seen some of your Yeah, we've practiced here. in some crazy places, but... Um, um, Those days. The first place that I practiced with the band was uh, in this basement um, that, that was off of Houston Street um, that was owned by this promoter. Her name was Ruth Polsky. Um, she used to promote uh, gigs at Danceteria. Oh, and for I'll some reason, for some reason, we were in her, uh, a basement that was related to her, to her place, and uh, it was just a just a cruddy old basement with a. Did you, you share know. with bands? Um, at that one, I don't think we did, but we we did share with with bands at at other places. Yeah. Even to, even today, our studio we share with with other people. So, you know, how did you get your stuff around for gigs? I don't know. You always had to like hire a friend with a van yeah. back in those days. Okay. Yeah. Because, man, Transpo yeah. in Manhattan. Yeah, and no cell phone, no email. So, you know, you had to you had to be there and when you said you were going to be there and, and move your shit. Yeah. yeah. Okay, so... But actually, I did bring a van 
to New York from, from Michigan. Michigan. So so for a while we had we had a van. You were that, the wheels. That owned, yeah, I had the wheels for a while. <laughs> you were the van I drew the drove van. a I drove a van uh, from Michigan to to New York and because I had to carry drums around somehow. Now you do that gig. Do you record right away? No, because um, Evil's the first thing. Yeah, you record yeah, I didn't them, record right? for a while, and it, and it didn't come out until '86. Um, but I was there for yeah. a little bit. Yeah, in fact, I got to play with you on yeah uh, Kim Fowley tune called Bubblegum. Yes, and in the kingdom something number number nineteen. Yeah, number that we 19. that was actually uh, that song was pasted together. Where, <laughs> I know because yeah. it was only me and you playing at yeah. first. <laughs> yeah, and Lee would kind of direct us to sort of what kind of riff or because he had a poem that yeah. was going to go to it. So we were doing these different uh, different little. Music jams and and Lee would chop them up and I then had never done yeah. something like yeah. that before. That was fun and and um, well, all my recording was almost like a gig in front of a microphone. Yeah, and yeah. This was this whole different way. And yeah. even the studio BC, it was Martin BC. Yeah, called it BC. Maybe it was in Brooklyn. What it was, was in it? Brooklyn. Yeah. yeah, and it was a trip because it's still still the same place. Really, He's still there. Yeah, and and there wasn't a separate control room. Yeah, the Martin, board was Martin right has a really room. weird setup where the the board is in the same room as where you would put the drum kit or something. <laughs> there are ISO booths where you can put guitar amps and stuff, but but he's got his his mixing board right out there, so there's no glass wall or any of that. <laughs> which there. I think you know Martin really really enjoys that. I'm not sure if his studio is still like that. I haven't been there okay. in a while. But, yeah, that was 20 years. Yeah. Ago. But, um, That's yeah, the first so we, time you record. So you did a lot of gigs before the recording. Yeah, and we did a whole tour um, that was set up by um, Gerard from from Homestead, and um, who put out the Bad Moon. Yeah, and so we did a whole U.S. tour um, before I had, had really recorded with the band. What I think was that tour like. Well, that tour was good. Um, I, I remember, um, kind of. I knew a lot more people on that tour than. Than the than and the rest did. of the band did because I'd been to all those cities in the Midwest and and in the South and everything where they'd sort of only hit pockets so far and a lot of their tour was Europe yeah yeah they spent a lot of time in Europe where I had only sp- I'd never been to Europe when I joined the band I'd never been in a jet plane and so <laughs> and I'd um, never been to Japan or any all, all those places we'd gone since but um but the tour was a lot of fun we played with a lot of bands that I knew. Um, through my days with the, the Crucifix and the Spastic Rhythm Tarts, and and um, we played with Dick Kreutzen, and we played with uh, Mac Mench and oh, yeah. a lot of those bands from the Midwest, sure. and and um, I'm not sure sure if we played with Sacrin right away or if that was a little bit Out later, West. but we soon we played with Sacrin and and we played um, played with the Minutemen once more at a at an SST event that was sort of at a at like a loading dock or something. Yeah, the warehouse yeah. downtown L.A. Yeah, and. Uh, you know, and I'd, I'd met so many people. You know, um, starting to starting to meet the SST people, like you know, Dez, and and meeting someone like Dave Markey, who's been around ever since. So, uh, you know, those are pretty okay, okay days and yeah. okay tours. And it was just um, that's the first of my time getting yeah. to see the band, and it was way different band than I had seen. Man, I, you know, I thought we were trying to do some adventures and. Me and D. Boone both felt like Chuck Berry or something. We were like all... I remember that they had this book of tunings. You know, like, and just the way they tune, period. Yeah. 
You know. Well, we didn't have roadies then. We had um, yeah, right. We had Suzanne with us, I think, on the first trip, and she had never done lights before. But we we threw her in the lighting booths of every club that we were at, and she just blinked them, you know, blinked the lights, and and she started, you know, she was a close friend and a and a fan of the band, and. And we couldn't have found a better lighting person because she felt a real affinity with yeah, what we yeah. were doing. So, so Suzanne was with us for years, but um, but it was just the four of us and Suzanne, and we were in, you know, and Mike's done this countless times. But we we're in the van, and we're going from city to city, and and that was pretty much it. <laughs> but you make transition from Homestead to SST. SST, yeah, SST Records. So sister. Yeah, I think. I think that came about just before we recorded Evol or something where, where I don't know if SST reached out to, to the band because I, you know, being I was a new member, right, I wasn't right. so In involved fact, with a the day to day business. Were already written. Yeah. yeah. And so you're, you're learning them and fleshing them out. Yeah. We, so the first record where you're really involved is Sister. Is, well, is Evol. Is oh, Evol. Evol. Oh, no, oh. Evol was not, no, no, we wrote Evol all together. It was not written previously. Oh, I thought it, you learned Expressway. Well, we, we worked on Expressway. I mean, Thurston had, you know, bits of Expressway okay. the first, from the first rehearsal. But, but like everything, it, it kind of goes through this blender with everybody. Um, no matter how much of a finished tune someone brings in, it still gets, still gets altered, and we still consider it writing at some point. Yeah, yeah. But um, I remember be staying there and seeing the words to Star Power just on a paper on the yeah. deck, you know? Yeah. It's, and it's just, I didn't know it was yeah. going to end up a song <laughs> on an album. It's just his words yeah. on a paper that's on the deck. Yeah. And, like, and then I remember the album came out. I said, I've seen these. <laughs> <laughs> I've seen these before. And it was... So like, because Steve Boom would scribble things, and he'd never th- think they were going to... He'd just write down thoughts, and yeah. I'd turn them into songs, and he'd be like, whoa, this is a song? <laughs> it was just something he'd jot down, and I thought the same thing when I saw oh, yeah. Stop Bar. I said, I seen yeah. this thing. <laughs> ah, So even though we had some parts before you joined the band, it didn't get fleshed out until you were... Well, yeah, we, we worked on it all together, yeah. What drum set did you use? That one you brought out? That's a funny question. No one's asked me that in years. But, yeah, I brought a, a kit with me, and it was an old Pearl kit. And you probably saw me play it a couple times in the yeah, first yeah. couple tours. And I, I had that until... Uh, I, I had that kit for a while. I had it until uh, Jay Maskus uh, went shopping with me on 48th Street. And we, we had like just Manny's signed... We had just... Yeah, to Manny's or somewhere. And we had just signed to Geffen Records. And, and, oh, wow. So and, late 80s. Yeah. Uh, 90. 90. Yeah, so I had that um that Pearl kit with me. It wasn't the greatest kit either, so I had it for a while. Well, Keith Moon played Pearls. Uh, no, Premieres. Yeah, Premieres. Yeah, who played Pearl? <laughs> no one. <laughs> Peter Chris. Okay, that's right. <laughs> <laughs> me and Peter Chris played Pearl. <laughs> and uh, Jay went to the music store with me, and uh, I'm from Michigan. I'm a pretty conservative person. You know, I'm a thrifty person, as Mike Mike knows. <laughs> And so we, we we just signed to Geffen Records, and I'm gonna buy a drum kit. And uh, the the sales guy goes like, "Well, what what price range are you looking at?" And and Jay, in his voice, goes, uh, "Money is no object." <laughs> 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 and so um, so we we end up uh, Jay helps me uh, 
shop and buy this Brady drum kit, which is from Australia. Yeah, so yeah. I had so to answer your question, I had a Pearl kit until I bought this Brady uh, thing, and now now I play all old. I like a lot of '60s kits. Usually, yeah, yeah. Uh, Ludwig's or, or Gretsch kits. Yeah. And what was it? Four or five? Um, uh, five piece counting five, snare. Yeah, 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 yeah. I always use two rack toms. I, yeah. yeah. Uh, I know with the sister record, you were playing other stuff. Like PCH has an ashtray, or what do you beat? <laughs> it's just a big piece of metal. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Tink. Yeah. Yeah. Tink. You weren't doing that on the evil yet, though. No, it was probably just drum kit. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So you just had moved on. Uh, I really like Sister, but I like Evil a lot too. But man, there's something about that. Uh, well, Sister was weird. That. that was our first time to see her sound, and and uh, and he was in another place at that. time. Yeah, he was in another location, like the lobby of a hotel. Yeah, I was gonna say it's where the Scientologists are, but actually, you know, it's um, it's 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 now a hotel. Um. And um, that was weird. I mean, we kind of expected that record was going to sound a little bit different, you know. And and um, we were still learning how to how to record and and how to get our our live sound on a tape. And it took us a while. I think it I think it really took us until till dirty until we were you know until we worked with Butch Vig that we were really felt like we kind of sound like this, you know. And, and even that Paul record was is Martin, uh, yeah, sisters uh, Walter. Yeah, but Walter didn't record us. It was uh, it was an engineer that that worked there. Who was it? Um, I went to some of those sessions. Yeah, um, Man, I can't. God, what? Um, he since passed away. His name. Um, you hear his voice at the beginning of yeah. uh, Stereo Sanctity, where he's saying uh, seven. Uh, but uh, I'm sorry, his name escapes me right now. <laughs> That's but, terrible. Uh, that helps yeah. me all the time. Yeah. I have to. T- I take ginkgo for it. I don't know if it's doing. <laughs> yeah, I've done that. Yeah. And also, it helps for the uh, for the constant ringing of the ears. Your ears from uh, tonight for tinnitus from the cymbals and snare drum and all that. <laughs> uh, so you tore that record. Yeah. Uh, what was those tours like compared to the evil ones? Well, those tours were good, and I, we. Spent a lot of time with with Firehose on on the sister tours. That's right. It was the yeah. first Firehose tour. Yeah, and um, I don't know. So those days it was like you kind of had a gang. You know, you had your <laughs> band and you had the other band that you were with for a week or two. And whether you had the Orange uh, Van, you guys yeah changed boats. Yeah, I, I think remember we had, too the guitars didn't have cases. There was a shelf, and they're like all the guitars got thrown under that shelf. Oh really? Really? <laughs> they didn't have cases at all. I don't remember that. Yeah, they opened up the back doors and you had a shelf. Yeah, yeah. And there was a little space under yeah, yeah. it. They just got all shoved in. She had a lot. Yeah. It was like 12 of them. Yeah, it was not as many as we travel with today, but it was no, a lot no. then because we had to carry them all back then. Yeah, for a band, <laughs> it was a lot different yeah. than most band story. Yeah. And, uh, but those were good good tours. And, oh, yeah, uh, yeah. And um, we, we toured with a lot of SST bands back then. And, you know, Dinosaur were just just coming out which was a blast when those those first records came out I think Firehose plays with you and them in Amherst it's the last gig of the tour mm-hmm. and then you guys take us to Europe yeah which was wild uh, they had already been there a few times Is that was that your first Europe? no I'd I'd gone there even in 85 even before Evol we'd, we'd wow. gone to Europe so and I'd played all these crazy festivals and played with a lot of uh, a lot of festivals with uh, a lot of bands that were my heroes back then, and so it was. Those days were just 
pretty eye opening, you know, just yeah, all, yeah, yeah. all the music that I got to see and and um you know, just traveling, you know, traveling to countries for the first time and and uh just a, just a lot of a lot of fun, a lot of new experiences. Now the record after that for Daydream Nation. It's Daydream. And uh that's pretty toward a was it planned to be a Well, I as think at a certain point we knew at a certain point, we knew that we had too many songs for a single album, and so we were sort of making fun of ourselves by talking about classic double LPs, you know. Oh, in between, though, isn't there Chicone Youth? Yeah, I guess we recorded that in yeah. between, but we didn't put it out because uh, maybe Paul Smith recommended that we we put out the next Sonic Youth record. and then but you actually recorded that. Yeah, I believe so. No, the... Did you know about this idea about you're going to do the Beatles White Album? Oh yeah, I was totally in love with that because okay. you know that you know I'm a Beatles yeah, freak. Right, right, right. So ever since I was like, but that was a real old, plan. You were going yeah, to... yeah. It was we really talked about it, but we never did any of the work. Right. So and there's um, a lot of tunes. That's a yeah, double album. Yeah, I, I really wanted to do it. I thought we could have done something really interesting, but but then the the story is that Pussy Galore quickly got out a version of um, of Exile on Main Street. So kind of took the wind out of our sails and we didn't really need to to make such a statement because they they already did it right, right. <laughs> so right. um so when then the idea goes because we had done the chicone youth single i did one side you guys did the other side but it's not not much to do with the album i know you guys yeah. took my demo and put it on there, yeah but the, the other stuff is not really madonna songs yeah Kim singing to a karaoke yeah. thing of a like, Robert Palmer. Yeah, I guess the only way that it's the only way that it really relates to the single that we we all did together is that it's sort of it's sort of based on or inspired by or or working with '80s pop things. You know, like Kim singing to a karaoke version of Robert Palmer and. And, uh, Jay jams on it a little bit. What's that? Doesn't Jay jam on? Jay plays uh, guitar on, on a couple songs, and uh, we we fooled around with sampling and yeah, with beatboxes yeah. on it, and and that that stuff was really really happening right then, but not in our world. You know, it was yeah, all yeah. in the hip hop world, and so we never set out to make a hip hop record, but we just we just set out to do something that was a little bit different from us getting together and writing writing 10 songs and we did we got together and we didn't write anything we just went and started playing in the studio over at Wharton's uh studio and just came up with a lot, a lot of things for that and there's a couple covers and so you're right it's not it's it's not too similar to the the Chicone single that we all no, all did together all. and then it's it's really not like any other Sonic Youth record it's way different yeah uh whenever i talk to lee about that record we we always talk about how it you know, if anything, it's kind of like an Eno record. <laughs> you know, it's got all these little short bits, kind of like he did in, in, the, in those those early solo albums. And but no, I, I like I like that record. It's yeah. um, I would probably edit some of it if, if 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 I had the you know if I was turning back time, but I'm not. Uh, but um, but I like it. We re- reissued it last year. And yeah, and, right, right. Yeah. But then the daydream comes, and those got mm. proper songs. And- yeah, yeah, and that's something we worked on for a long time. And and uh, you know, as we'd been playing together live for longer, all these songs were having these long intros and long outros, and long you know, and long, long jam middles. in the middle. <laughs> and so, so there were all these long songs, you know, like the sprawl or across the breeze, or 
or even Teenage Riot is kind of long. And it, it got to grow where it wouldn't fit on one LP, and we knew it was going to be a double album. So we started playing with what is a double album, and you know, and you know, people like you were talking to me yesterday about ELP. Who I've actually I've never owned a, an ELP album, but don't uh, worry, yeah. it's got a big lot. <laughs> I'm sort of ready, you know. But but um, but you know, bands like that had songs, you know, that had big words like trilogy and, and things like, you know, and whether it was yes or ELP or, and so, and, uh, and we kind of, uh, took the, um, the runes or whatever you want to call them of the four, our four symbols from, yeah. from, uh, Led Zeppelin four, you know? So we were just playing around with, with classic rock ideas as far as, uh, mixed in inside of that, you know, that beautiful cover of, of, um, Gerhard Richter's, uh, painting. But, um, so that's kind of just where we were fooling around with, like, you know, not trying to be too serious about putting out a double album. No, but... I guess the only people we knew that had put out double albums were Husker Du and the <laughs> Minutemen, you know. But you don't put it on SSD, you change. That's, Paul that's right. Paul Smith has something to do with that. Yeah, yeah, we, we moved uh, to Blast First, which had now started a U.S. company up. And uh, Blast First was based in London originally, and, and he started up in, in New York, so he had two... Uh, Two versions of the label, and he was distributed by Enigma, I think, over here. And right. so you're right; we left SST at that time and and um, and put it out on on Blast First Enigma. And I guess Chicone Youth came out a few months later, which that's right. which kind of sounds strange to me, but I guess that's how it happened. Yeah, that's what I remember too. Yeah. He also put out a 12 inch of the single of uh, Candle. No, of Master Dick. Uh, into the groovy, yeah, 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 burning up, yeah, yeah. That was a blast. First thing, I yeah, think that might have been the first thing, yeah. And he put that out in the U in the UK, right? Yeah. Not here in the US. In yeah. The US it was a New Alliance thing on seven. Yep, but in, in England, I remember. <clears throat> and now you tour Daydream Nation. That's the band starts blowing up a little bit, huh? I guess so. I mean, yeah, it that's seemed. What I remember. I mean, it seemed well, like. Well, not like yeah, I'm not talking like. Yeah. I mean, it seemed like it was pretty gradual. Each yeah. each record and each tour, we were getting better at what we were doing, and you play a slightly bigger place the next time, and you get more kids the next time, and you you play more cities or you're also, more organized. The times were changing too. Yeah, I think kids were getting more open minded. Yeah, and also. The records were finally getting in the stores where yep. where they were supposed to be because I remember the first time I went back to Michigan after Evol came out and and seeing it and um, Evol was on SST. It's an American label, and the only p- place I could find a Sonic Youth record at my local my old hometown record store was in the import, import bin. bin. But that was like it, that with yeah. a lot of shit. And you know, and it's like you know twice as much. And so it was a it was a long fight for us to you know. To get oh, your records in every store and get them in a... I want to you about, uh, sister, the poster. What's the poster? It's a giant-ass poster for sister. Yeah. Well, that it's was like, like the album cover, kind yeah. of. That thing made its way into almost every record store. Well, that was a Subway poster. The, those, were, those were London posters. Because they oh, did wow. these... They do what they call Subway posters. They're huge and... But and they weren't that common in the U.S. No, you no. You not see those in the record. No. That was so unique. Yeah. They said this giant-ass poster. Yeah. I guess we must have asked. I'm not sure if we had SST print some up or if we had Paul ship some in. Yeah, but it was but, a beautiful poster. Who though. made that cover? Um, I think Kim made the cover. Yeah, it's great, man. Um, Kim. First one was that long leg lady. Yeah, uh, Evil. I mean, the first one. Yeah. Um, 
I think Kim made the cover, or, or Kim and Thurston, and basically they took images that uh, that each one of us had thrown together. And, and one of the inspirations for the the cover was um, was the Bad Seed EP by um, oh wow by uh, the Birthday Party because yeah, yeah, they had um, pasted the four of their uh, the four portraits of, portraits of the band members um, sort of with a cross or upside down cross going on or something and. I think we took a little bit of uh, you can yeah, see. Yeah, it's got like Disneyland and yeah, yeah, planets. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah. We all like collected postcards or whatever that we we or, or snapshots. Yeah. I think there's a there's a postcard from the Madonna Hotel. You yeah, know. That's right. Yeah, Cali. And yeah, Northern Cali. And uh, no, it's more by San Luis Obispo. Okay, so that's not northern. It's uh, mid. Yeah. Okay. Not even that. Okay. Because actually, San Francisco's mid. Okay. Oh, right. I, I think know I, they call it North yeah. Cal, but if you look at a map. Yeah. Being an outsider, I yeah. think of. But not I think a lot of San people live north, north of San yeah. Francisco, so. Okay. It's more. It's like about a hundred miles north of L.A. Okay. San oh, it's that close to L- yeah, L.A. Okay. Yeah. But um. So yeah, it's just things that we kind collected and. Coastwise, close, uh, close to where Jimmy Dean was killed. Ah. Okay. But if you went towards the water. And it's got every room's got a theme. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> Did you stay? There? I've never. I've stayed, stayed there. Yeah, I've stayed there a couple wow. times. Yeah, it's weird. <laughs> Was it your postcard? I don't think. So. I don't uh, think I stayed there yet. I okay. think someone. I think we got that from someone on tour. Okay. <laughs> so okay, Daydream Nation, <clears throat> and the tour is a little bigger. The records are getting in the yeah. stores. The crew gets a little bit bigger. We have a sound a person bigger. now. That's right. We Terry we Pearson. we picked up Terry Pearson in again well, Austin Austin, Austin Texas. We first met him at the Continental Club. Right, right. So Austin has been a big part of of our life. It's funny. Well, uh, driving around with uh, Thirsty Day, he yeah. knew where everything was. Yeah, yeah. Well, we've been coming here for years and. I've been coming I've here. I've come here for years too. I yeah. can't remember. Yeah. And, I, and I was coming here, be, you know, before I was in the band. So, uh, so it, you know, it's, it's nice to be here. Here, um, I don't know. We always seem to meet nice people. You know. Oh yeah, it's yeah. good. Te- if I had lived in Texas, I would live in Austin. Yeah. It's music. Class. I think it's yeah. Uh, the next thing, though, that's big change. Moving to Geffen. Yeah. yeah. And um, and we're recording Goo, which yeah. which. Which was a lot of work and yeah. uh, and um, a lot of different things. Uh, yeah, and we're learning, you know, learning a lot, learning how to just. We're still finding our way through a multi-track studio, you know, just try, you know. Well, yeah, where'd you record Daydream? Daydream was recorded at Green Street, New York City. Yeah, on Green Street. It's in Soho, and we recorded with this guy Nick Sensano. and uh, he's teaching at NYU now, and I think he's still engineering too. Okay. And he was uh, involved in the studio called Green Street that um, that they were pretty heavily involved with a lot of hip hop stuff. They were recording a lot of um, the Bomb Squad stuff. A lot of the um, uh, productions by the Bomb Squad would include the Public Enemy records, and um, I think Nick had even recorded with Ice Cube back then. But um, but we met him and we just really really liked liked this guy Nick and and uh, we wound up doing Daydream Nation with him and we did the first part of Goo with yeah, him. Yeah, I was going to just yeah. say because there's an accidental meeting right with the Chuck D, right? And he ends up on the tune. Yeah, yeah, because we're, we're both recording uh, at the same time at Green Street Studio and um, Kim has a song called Cool Thing and uh, it's sort of inspired by. Uh, LL Cool J and and maybe uh, a white woman's fascination with uh, this Robert. beautiful this beautiful guy beautiful black guy and um, and 
we have a middle middle piece in it, and uh, we're like maybe Chuck could do something in here, and so he he does something, and, and everybody yeah, knows. and I'm not sure you know what he thought or how he felt, but uh, but that's what happened, and um, and I guess you know it's history now. <laughs> There's this movie called Sir Drone. Yeah, a lot of the a lot of uh, our goo album is based on this Pettibone movie <laughs> yeah, that stars that stars you and Mike, Mike Kelly. Kelly. <laughs> yeah. And uh there's two characters in the movie named Scooter and Jinx and, and, and Goo and ends Goo up the drummer. And, and, yeah. <laughs> she ends up the girlfriend ended up joining them. Yeah. Band. Yeah. And it's about uh, I mean punk band th- in the th- 70s. Yeah, Thurston and and I'm talking about that movie. One of our favorite bits is is about how punk one side of the stage is and how new wave one or the other. Like, <laughs> I think we used uh, that line forever. Like whenever we thought someone was was not giving their all in a practice, it's like, hey, your side's getting a little new wave. <laughs> Raymond, that script was too much. I remember reading that thing. It was like, oh my god, it was very accurate though yeah. in a lot of ways. But yeah, yeah. So that. That um, movie that Raymond made uh, was a was an inspiration for a lot of the the titles and and characters that we that we used in in this record goo and also Ray, Raymond cover. did the cover which was a beautiful cover and uh, and a, he did a lot of singles and posters and T shirts for us all at that time right. and just lettering be- on the yeah, label yeah, yeah just beautiful beautiful stuff that all, all this uh, stuff of Raymond's that we got to use for that record yeah yeah. Generous man, he just he's, people call him Saint Raymond sometimes. <laughs> I hear, but I, I love him. I love him. Now is it different with it? Now it's a different kind of co- not just different company, but different kind of company. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was it was a jump, you know. Um, I guess as we kept on growing as a band and and the popularity was growing. It would get really frustrating to be in a city, you know. You'd be on tour, and the, the, you know, night after night, to have kids come up to you and say, "I can't find your records in my town." And so, so that was one one thing, you know. We kept on talking about this uh, better distribution, you know. Right, and, right. And so that was one of the things that brought us to a major, and and um, and we we were with Geffen for you know almost eighteen years, you know, and we're still working on projects with them. Even though we're not signed to the right, label right. right now, we're finishing up this uh, Daydream Deluxe Edition, which is going to come out sometime this year, and uh, putting out some DVDs of some of the old videos that we made. So we're still working with those guys, but we just don't have a working contract right, right. now. The first part was done at Green Street. Where was the rest of it done? Of Goo, I think it was done at this. I think we mixed at the studio called uh, Right Track. A more t- sort of in the Times Square area. And who, who, who we did mixed it? with um, Ron St. Germain, who had who had mixed uh, Eye Bad Against Brains. Eye, yeah, Bad Brains record, and um, and of course a bunch of other recordings too. But I think the Bad Brains was one of the reasons we uh, we we worked with him. And um, it wasn't a perfect fit with Ron, but um, but we got the album done, and and that was a that was a record that we were sort of conflicted about for years. If we you know. I think it wasn't until we went back to it a couple of years ago and remastered it, put out this deluxe edition of it that we that we all kind of really embraced embraced that album. We always liked the songs, but we weren't sure about the recording. And I think now, the, the tours are a little different. Yeah, the tours are getting bigger, and uh, and uh, we're not in a bus yet, but we're traveling in a van or two. And we've got a we've got a crew of people who actually help us make a good show every night because. 
you know, even though you have a memory of how great those early shows are, there's a lot of downtime in those shows, you know, when the guys are tuning, because, you know, we didn't have enough guitars to, yeah, like, yeah. to just go from one song to the other, so there was a lot of dead air on stage, <laughs> you know, and, and so as, as great as those days were, it was really nice to have a crew that are there to help you present yourself as best as you can each night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you're still touring overseas, too. Yeah. But not as, you're doing a lot more U.S. tour. That's a big difference from the older days. Huh? Yeah. Or at least equal time. Or at which, least yeah, equal. yeah. And now there's more, there's more territories to go to. Because by That's the time right. of Daydream Nation, we'd gone to Japan for the first time, to Australia for the first time. Even Russia. And we'd gone to the Soviet Union... And um, we were playing with bands like Mud Honey and um, and uh, the Boredoms for the first time. So we were meeting a lot of people that that are still still around, still right, a part right, of our right. life. Yeah. And then the one after that, Dirty, huh? Yeah. Then we recorded Dirty at the the studio, the Magic Shop that I talked about earlier, and a great little studio. We recorded with with Butch Vig, who had just recorded Nevermind with Nirvana, and um, we had actually known of Butch since his days in Madison, Wisconsin. Well, he was still based in Madison then. I'm not sure if he is anymore. But um, we'd known him when he was recording bands like uh, Tar Babies and... and uh Funky. Yeah, yeah. And, and uh, one of my favorite groups back then with Tar Babies and and, um, and Mech Mench and, and, and I don't know. Did he record Detroitson too back in those days? I'm not, I'm not sure. Milwaukee. Yeah, but, but still, the close. Midwest, we all, we had to, you know, we had to drive wherever we, we had to go, you know. <laughs> I think it's not far either. Yeah, no, they're miles. about an hour apart, yeah. yeah. Um, but so we, worked, we we did work with Butch, which Mike was... Kelly ended up doing the cover. Yeah, it was, was another uh, Sir Drone car- uh, actor, was uh, Mike Kelly. It all is all related. He was actually an artist. Yeah, too. yeah, and, and Kim has, has known Mike uh, since, I believe... You know when when Kim lived in L.A. Right. before she even moved to New York. Guy. Although he also was in Ann Arbor for a while, he was in a yeah. version of Destroy All Monsters. Yeah, and and in a different version than than Ron Ashton. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think after. Okay. Or maybe before, but it's much. Yeah. Not as much. It's more rock like a roll. It's more like half Japanese or something. Like yeah. the early. I weird... saw Jed yesterday okay. at the record store. I didn't see him. He was he at Waterloo. Waterloo. Yeah, yeah. I guess they had a. Um, Eco stage of Willie's over there. Oh, yeah. I think Jad was playing on that. Okay, because where's he living? He lives outside here. Oh, so he did move. Yeah, he's he's on a ranch. He he lives with a bunch of animals. <laughs> All right, Jad. Yeah. <laughs> it was good to see him. I hadn't seen him in years. That was great. And so dirty. <clears throat> You're in the bus now. Yep, we're in a bus. We're traveling, and uh, yeah. The, I don't know what to say. The tours are bigger, and, and uh, I don't know, we're having a lot of good shows. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And after Dirty? Um, we recorded um, Experimental Jet Set That's right. Trash and No Star. <laughs> yeah, and, that title. Yeah. <laughs> Thurston had the title before we'd recorded a note. <laughs> he, he was living that title for a while, which I think is an okay thing. <laughs> I remember him talking to Chris Robinson uh, of the Black Crows at some festival, and and Thurston's laying this title on him, and I guess Chris Robinson liked the title, but but 
I think he was into the idea of having a title before having your <laughs> record. Yeah, so. it's kind of like Austin, Texas. You know, they had the they had the uh, the fake bands that had the the flyer bands. You know, like the Dicks and the Big Boys were were flyer bands. Flyer before, bands. Yeah. Before they'd ever played, they just they just made flyers. And like <laughs> this might be what it's like. Yeah. <laughs> you might want to see these guys yeah, if you only could. <laughs> <laughs> they'd only play. <laughs> Bands. Yeah, so that was the the title, and um, and that was a w- weird weird record. We sort of uh, yeah, it's took, a trippy one. Took a step back from the the progress that we made with Goo and Dirty, and kind of the sound was getting bigger, and uh, um, we wanted to make a little bit more natural sounding record, not as pumped up as Dirty was. I love Dirty, but it's it's a little pumped though, and. Uh, so it's a little. This one is a little more naturalistic. We um, recorded with Butch again, yeah. but we didn't have Andy Wallace mix this time. Who we brought in that's Andy right, with uh, right. with Andy Dirty, and uh, it was a lot of fun working with Butch. He's just such a nice character, a nice yeah, guy, yeah. and um, and I guess Kim was pregnant with Coco during during the making of this record. Also, so, that that movie Marky made. Which um, no, that actually is dirty. Yeah, that's early. Right, uh, the 19, yeah, 1991 is before Dirty. It's between Goo and and Dirty. dirty. And uh, I forgot to ask about that because yeah. that changed a lot of stuff. Just as the scene yeah. being more exposed. Yeah, it was a. We went on a festival tour uh, of Europe, and uh, we wound up playing night after night with a lot of these bands that we knew, which were Nirvana, who were our current favorite band at that time we just we just loved these guys and um babes in toyland and dinosaur jr and um and i think other bands were coming and going but um mostly we played with babes dinosaur and nirvana every day and you know doing these festivals like Reading and and these german festivals it was just just a great time and and dave came over to film film the tour dave markey did and um one of the first days that we were on this tour, um, I don't know, we'd seen on one of the MTV channels, uh, Motley Crue had just given a concert at this huge stadium, and and uh, I guess Thurston kind of liked Motley Crue back then, and maybe in an <laughs> ironic way, but we weren't really interested in that world too much. And um, Motley Crue at this concert performed, uh, uh, not God Save the, Tr- the Queen, but... Uh, What's the other most popular? Anarchy so, in the UK. Yeah, Anarchy in the UK. And it just really blew Dave Markey's mind that, you know, <laughs> that that this, you know, this sun this band from Sunset Strip is playing uh a big stadium in the UK and 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 playing a Sex Pistols song. And and uh that's kind of where this phrase the year that punk broke uh came from. It's just like we felt like it was so twisted, and we did, and the funny thing is that we didn't know how much more twisted it was going to get in six <laughs> months when Nevermind came out. You know, this was before Nevermind, and we just thought it was, you know, the funniest thing, and that, you know, no one really ever understood what we were doing or what the indie scene was about. We still felt that it was a secret world. Yeah, and uh, like that germ song. Yeah, what we do. Yeah, <laughs> it was. It was for a long time, and and it still is to a large degree, even though there's been a little bit more writing about it no one's really written about you know the whole, there's been one or two books but it's it's a pretty much undocumented yeah, era yeah like and even those books they don't really yeah yeah the our band could be your life it yeah. di- didn't i'm not sure if it's really really captured uh, a lot of what's happened but um 
but just Dave is such a character and and such a funny guy, and he just he was into this the year that punk broke, and it was just it was just such a my favorite great scene phrase. is with Dave. Grow and Chris Novoselic in the dressing room with the chow. Yeah. <laughs> with yeah. The olives. Yeah, yeah. yeah. They were living large. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess Thurston felt he had to, he had to, uh, you know, someone points a camera to musicians and most of us like run away, yeah, you know. Yeah, got into it. And so Thurston like felt like he sort of had to carry this thing I and know. give Dave something to, to play with. So Thurston really ran with it. And, and the most bizarre scene is with ducks. <laughs> yeah. you know, it's like, man, this guy's working it. <laughs> well, it was sort of like, it was sort of surreal being in Germany at this time. And, you know, ducks. <laughs> well, there was a t-shirt with a duck with a mohawk and it just, it just didn't make, you know, duck punk. What, where, where, what's the connection besides the U and the, the K, you know, <laughs> Well, leap back forward. After uh, Jet No Trash Star. We didn't tour that we, year. Yeah, right. Because we had a uh, new, arrival. new arrival for Kim and Thurston. So um, so Thurston recorded this Dim Stars record with Richard Hell right. and Don Fleming. And, and uh, even Chad. I think he does sax on ripoff. Chad does, yeah, that's right. And and um, so we, we, we started just, you know working and doing whatever we we could and we didn't tour for another year i right. think washing machines next yeah and you do that in memphis we recorded at easley's uh, studio in in memphis and um and we mixed it up up in at our place or up in new york and uh kim stops playing bass kind of kim played a lot of guitar on, on that one she plays bass on a couple tunes but yeah but she starts playing a lot of guitar and to Kim, it was never she stopped playing bass. It's like she returned a guitar because she she played a lot on right, the first right, record, right. and 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 on the second record too because Thurston's playing bass yes. on a number of tunes on Confusion. So, um, so yeah, we do Washing Machine, and then this uh, Lollapalooza tour comes up, and it, we just never expected that that would really happen, you know, and and uh, and we said, well, you know, and we're we're finishing up Washing Machine, we're all kind of on the fence about doing this thing and we're all calling pavement and, and Jesus lizard and back and like, well, what are you going to do? You know, and what are you guys going to do? Are you really going to do it? And when it sort of got to this point, we're like, well, we'll do it if you do it. And so, <laughs> you know, we'd only go if our buddies were, were going. Yeah, right. So, so, um, this tour comes about and, and, um, I did a leg of it. Yeah. And, and not one of them was Austin. And, and it actually turned out to be a, a good tour for us. And, and, uh, um, I felt like we really learned how to play on a stage like that, and and that helped us for you know for whenever you open, you know for open for bands like Pearl Jam or something. I always feel like ever since we did Lollapalooza, we really know how to work those stages. Because a few years before that, we'd open for Neil Young, yeah, and right. it was a, it was a challenge. You really it so those are tough rooms to play those those arenas and and amphitheaters. Yeah, yeah. And now today. After we've done so many festivals and and we've done the opening tours, I feel like like we can go on any stage and I know that we can play some music. We, yeah, we can yeah. do something. So I, I don't I don't worry about that stuff so much anymore. I know it's nicer for the audience if we're we're in a theater and uh, or a small club or a large club that that the kids like. But I feel that we can still put on a show whichever room you put us in. And after that's the leaves, uh, thousand leaves, thousand leaves. Yes. Um, Who'd you do that with? 
That was the first record that with we were. Jim? Um, no, we recorded with Warden. That was. Oh, the, that's right. That's because after we did Lollapalooza, we um, set up our own studio, and that's yeah. when we set up the Murray Street Studio, and um, so so we started recording the Syr series. These instrumental records, and then we recorded uh, Thousand Leaves with uh, with Wharton around that time. So that was the first one we we did at a at, a, at home studio. Right, right. And Jim, uh, Jim wasn't there yet. Um, oh no, no, Jim didn't come around till the end of the next one when we recorded uh, New York City Ghosts and Flowers. We yeah, recorded right. with Wharton, but Jim helped us finish it, and he did a few overdubs, and he um, helped us mix it. And then we, we were having such a good time with Jim. We were at come that, on, yeah, yeah, it was like, come on, play some of these parts on the road. So he became the fifth fifth person in the band, and we did a number of years with him. And, yeah, yeah, and yeah. two full records with him, where we recorded Murray Street with with Jim and Kim alternating on guitar and bass. Right. And then sometimes uh, Power Book. Yeah, not too much though. I always yeah. thought he was going to do more of that when he yeah. joined. I was always kind of looking forward to that sort of. You know, sort of uh, treatment thing, you know, and he, and he, he, I think Jim really wanted to play in a traditional band when he got it, you know, he wanted to play bass and guitar and do dual leads with Thurston. So, um, but, um, so we did the Murray Street and, uh, and Sonic Nurse, and we did both of those at our, at our place right. on Murray Street. But he leaves after Sonic Yeah. Recording. He, he toured with us and then, uh, for quite a while after that record, and then, then he, um, it became apparent that he wanted to work on other things and move. Yeah, and he wanted to move to Tokyo, and he lives there now. And we're going to see him uh, in a couple of weeks. Soon. We're going to Japan, and we'll see Jim there. And it's always good to see him. But there's still five on the road. Now there the is. Band, yeah, yeah. But Mar- Mark Eyeball. Well, we after Jim left, we we recorded, we wrote and recorded rather ripped as yeah. as four of us, and um and. Uh, Kim thought that uh, some of the songs would be difficult for her to play bass and to sing, and so we asked Mark to to play bass on some of those songs, and just we kept him on stage the whole night. And so you know, a lot of times there's two bass. Yeah, yeah. So they do double bass. Comes on bass. Yep, yep. So um, so Mark's been with us for the last year, and he's going out with us this summer, and it's it's been a real blast. Playing with Mark, he's but rather rip was recorded as four piece. Yeah, we recorded as a four piece. He didn't record on it, so it's that's going way back. Yeah, yeah. Before Jim, not way back. How long was Jim with the band? I don't know, like five years. Five years. It went by fast. Yeah, I got to spend a week with him at his pad. Yeah, interesting cat, man. Really, you get to see him again soon. Yeah, he speaks Japanese now. (laughs) It's amazing. His mind, he could pick shit up. That cat. Wow. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, I've gone out with him in Japan, and and he's there just doing the do. You know, he's talking and and leading us and taking us he's around. He's got a pad. Yep, yep. So the next record is there a plan? Uh, no, there's no plan. Okay. Um, right now, we're just we've got a busy summer plan. We're gonna right, do do some of these daydream shows, and we're gonna get the daydream deluxe out. We're um, We've got a couple SYRs lined up that we're working on. Some of them with Jim. Some of them things that Jim worked on or mixed on. So, so even some of that stuff's in the vault that we wanna we wanna scoot it out and and um, uh, I think you know if, if we get lucky we'll have some time to to get together and, and write some this summer because that's usually what happens. Uh, um, 
Summertime. Yeah, summertime we, we uh, get together and, and either play or, or write. Well, man, I really look forward to seeing the daydream. That's a trip. Yeah, it's going to be good. And then, of everyone's course, asking for the next album, too. And everyone's asking us what we're going to do with Providence. So uh, I, I don't know, you know. It's just going to stand up there and play a cassette, or, or, or hold we, the cell phone, or, or we going to call in from yeah, whatever We're going to satellite you in, yeah. yeah. Steve, thanks so much. you got to go, go jam. play the Stooges game. <laughs> but this has been Righteous Talk. Thank you for coming on my Thank show. Thank you, Mike. Okay. And we'll do it again. All right. I have to on the phone. Okay. Because, anytime. Man, interesting cat. Anytime. And I know you got a lot of music coming. And yeah. thanks for the invite on the Enrique Moretti. Yeah, yeah. Morente. Morente, yeah. Sorry. Lo siento, Enrique. <laughs> and uh, yeah, you guys, uh, hold tight. I got to get ready for a gig. So thank you for coming by again, Steve. And, uh, and Samara, Samara, too. <laughs> it's time to wake up because. Uh, <laughs> Time to bail. We got to play some of her music. I think she's snoring. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, people. Say bye, Steve. Goodbye. March 17th. Wait a minute. You know, the first two parts of this, hour one and hour two, except for a portion. (laughs) First hour was March 17th, but it actually is March 19th. 2007 right now. <laughs> That's the way things worked out. The gig came on us. Uh, here's part eight of Jack Flanders and the Ghost Islands. Mojo, here's what I'm thinking. From what we've been told, most of the time the islands are a mirage. If you approach them as we tried, they simply recede or, or just dissipate into mist. Yeah, but sometimes they're solid. Right. And I suspect it's not just random, but there's a pattern. Look at this. What is this? It's a printout from Bunny's laptop. And what are we dealing with here? This is about the moon and the tides and the weather and time of year. That's a pretty complex set of calculations. I know. Now look at this. Percentages, density points how solid it is at any one point. I wish we knew about this before. Well, you can see here on the 6th, when we tried to approach the ghost islands, that was not a good day. Yeah, we were looking at a 12% possibility. But see here, the morning of the 3rd, when Bunny took the dinghy and didn't return? 87%. She knew all this? Where did she get it? I think she lifted it from Claudine's computer, and she copied it onto hers. So Bunny is a hacker. We always suspected she was a smart kid. Then she knew about these ghost islands way before we did. Yeah, she may have been hacking Claudine's computer ever since we started on this voyage. Bunny knows more about what Claudine's up to than we do. I don't know, but she did figure this out. Uh, You told Claudine? Not yet. Hey, look here. If this chart is close to accurate, we're talking a 91% coming up. And then it drops way down and it's gone. Yeah, I saw that. Now, that's a pretty thin portal to squeeze through. Let's not mention this to Dominique. Why? Because she'll want to come along. <laughs> I'm surprised you haven't considered the benefits. What benefits? If you bring her along, you can always uh, leave her there. Leave her marooned on the ghost island? Hmm. Oh, come on. I'm not being serious. Brilliant, Mojo. (laughs) Oh, man.
Claudine, we have to talk. I need your help. What? You were right. I can't do this alone. Okay. But I can't tell you everything. Look, I have no idea what's going on, why we've come here, or what you're trying to do, but just tell me what I need to know. These islands, the ghost islands, are, are part of the worlds that are not visible, at least to the eyes of most people. Except the ghost islands are visible. Well, one island. They are disappearing. I noticed that. Are you saying forever? Yes. Do you know why? No. Do they know why? Do you mean those who inhabit the islands? Yeah, the fuzzies. I don't know. You've seen them? Yes, I have. In the town? That evening, when you saw me and, and heard me talking to myself, I was trying to communicate to one of them. Oh, so that's what it was. Yes. But how come Bunny can see them so clearly? Bunny is special. That's why I asked her to come with us. So you could use her? No, no, no. Well, now she's on that island, and the island has vanished. It will reappear. Mojo and I tried to land on that island, but it, it was like landing on a mirage. It will be different. And if it disappears while we're on it, what then? Improvise. <laughs> will Mojo be with us? I hope so. Dominique? Yes. Why? So you don't get bored? Oh, great. All right, when do we go? Tonight. In the dark? There will be a full moon. I just remembered what Rose said. When the moon begins to wane, so do the islands. This is our only chance. And that's why we're finally talking about this? Jack, I need your support. Okay. I'll tell Mojo. Jack? Yeah? I'm frightened. You are? Yes. How dangerous is this? I don't know. This isn't what I thought it would be. What did you expect? Not this. She finally told you? Well, she didn't tell me much. So, tonight we're stepping out on the island? You got it. Uh-huh. But this time, the captain hops out of the boat first. <laughs> I guess it's my turn to walk on water, huh? <laughs> I don't know about you, but I'm bringing along my inflatable Mickey Mouse shoes. <laughs> well, whatever works. Uh, if that island decides to disappear while we're on it, you better be able to walk on water. There are places on this planet where other worlds intersect. You experience that in Montreal. Sometimes that intersection provides an energy for both sides. Well, that's why here in San Miguel, the return of the islands was seen as a blessing? Yes. Equally for both sides? I don't know about that. And as this planet becomes more populated, these places disappear. Is that it? Not always. Well, what happened here? Why the change? I don't know. But now it's time to find a bunny. Okay. I'll wake up Mojo. It was a little after three when we set off for the island. Oh, that's three in the middle of the night. I noticed Mojo was wearing a necklace. In fact, he was wearing all kinds of odd little bone carvings of skulls and 
weird faces. So what are those? For protection? No. I've just brought along some trinkets to trade with the natives. Ah, those are amulets. Don't try to kid me. I want to look my best. Jack, leave him be. Mojo, you look very stylish. Yeah, what style is that? Borneo grunge? Oh, come on. I left my monkey skull necklace back home. Monkey skulls? Ugh. Really? He's not serious. Well, don't be too sure about that. But there it is. It's coming into view. Cut the motor, Jack. In the moonlight, that place is nice and spooky. There's no surf. Do you hear it? Oh, that's not good. Yeah, not sounding very solid, is it? We'll wait. We have time. And so we drifted closer and closer to the island. And as Mojo said, in the moonlight, appearing more ghostly than ever. They got bugs. What? I can hear bugs. Yes. Night bugs. Sawing away. Yes, there are more sounds now. Now I can hear the surf. Jack, bring us into shore. As we approached, the island So, Captain steps out first, right? Um, no, ladies first. <laughs> Dominique? Oh, man, you're bad. I'll go. Good. Better hang on to the boat, just in case. Over I go. What's it feel like? Oh, wet. You didn't sink. Come on, jump in. I think I'll just ease myself over easily. Oh, yeah. We got some real here.
Started off the third hour with part eight of Jack Flanders and the Ghost Islands. Then uh, we had Spot Albert. Now, I don't know the Albert cat, but I do know Spot. Many, many years. He's a cat who did the first Minutemen records, Husker Du, Meat Puppets, Black Flag. He's a beautiful man. Uh, he lives in Austin now, and he has a version of uh, Irish music he calls Smeltic. So <laughs> I didn't get to see him when I was in Texas because he was busy. It was St. Patrick's Day and he plays a lot of Smeltic for the Celtics. Huh? Love you, Spot. Then we had many birthdays with Freeway. <laughs> I did meet the bass player many birthdays by um, End of a Ear record store. Right out front. His name was John. He is a very nice man. I believe it was John. I hope so. And I uh, love their band. And uh, yeah, their trip. And then we had Udu Maki Dos with Sagittarius. And I'm Sagittarius. Archer man. One of the last couple of days. Maybe the last day. In December, and uh, I wonder if Dose, I wonder if he said it right first of all, but I wonder if it means two also. Uh, here's some Truckee Brothers. <laughs>
the sun before dawn, once before the tide, eyes upon the sea watched the shores of time.
Voglio parlarti della parte oscura di noi Voglio parlarti delle cose che sogno Voglio parlarti delle mie strane idee Ho visto un'ombra che si stacca dal muro L'ho vista camminare verso di me L'ho vista entrare dentro i miei vestiti L'ho vista muoversi come me Soltanto che qualcuno 
was Mr. Right Now by Apollo Nova. Before that, from Italy, Il Kif with Alucia Nazioni. Uh, position Normal before that with I've Been Alvin Starr. And we started there with Gritty Pretty, Truckee Brothers. And unfortunately, I didn't get to see them at that South by uh, Southwest thing. But, um, yeah. I'll see them in San Diego. I want to play with them in San Diego. That's where they're from. They're good cats. Here's Captain Pleased. <laughs> Rapper Zero all my life. I've been called a zero, even my mom's. 
me on the streets at the tender age of 13 I became a man before I grew into a man eat scraps up off this wasteland stomach pains I can see my frail ribs I'm looking like an anorexic chick I'm just a broke person born in the gutter all my life I just had to suffer no bus pass or moving car my transportation on foot life is hard and won't end the same sad song fill my pain this is not a happy song so much pain when will it go away when i die away i hope i see heaven's game so much pain when will it go away when i die away i hope i see heaven's gate
Sorry about that. Had to fade down on the Now Trio. Uh, but that was most of their tune. It's called uh, Desperter or Despertar. I don't know that word. I'm ignorant. So I must be learned. <laughs> Sorry. There's a neat thing, though. I think they're up from up in the northwest. Uh, Feel My Pain from Lone Star. I think he's a Texas cat. And Bug by Captain Please started off that chunk there. Um, yeah, I don't know. Maybe he's from Idaho. <laughs> My memory sometimes, you know. Anyway, I want to thank Mr. Steve Shelley for coming on board and really enlightening up my thing there. Thurston did too. Stooges. There were some great people there. Texas for the Southwest thing. Just getting to see Bob again. That was righteous. And, um, well, next week. Well, I got a tour in two weeks with the Stooges. I think the first gig's the fifth in Washington, D.C. So check the Hoot page. H-O-O-T-P-A-G-E dot com for uh, that kind of infos. And check out Steve Shelley's label, Smells Like Records. That's uh, S-M-E-L-L-L-I-K-E-R-E-C-O-R-D-S dot com. Uh, again, thank you, Steve. And I'll do another show this weekend here in Pedro. So this is the, well, you know, March 17 slash March 19 edition of the Watt from Pedro show. Keep your powder dry.